Sissy, get get down from there. I, I'm going to put you in your room if you don't. Oh, oh. are we live? Yes. It's Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching the Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. I think that was just a little performance for y'all. He was yelling at those chihuahuas before, and I said, just start the show that way. We need a little levity. It was take two, but I did. Y'all thought it was take one, didn't you? Just felt so authentic. I felt a little weird saying straight talk as I uh, yelled at chihuahuas. It just didn't feel right. Uh-huh. It's a little, it's a, it's a juxtaposition of reality and truth. Hello, Emerson Collins. How are you, Dale Shore? Oh, I have my good days. <laughs> the day one? This has not been a good day. I have to admit, you know, we, 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 I already admitted it to you earlier. I just woke up knowing it was 9-11 and... I think that all of us, whenever we start seeing uh, those memories, so much floods back to us, and um, you know, it was just—it was just a tough beginning of the day. And uh, plus, there's so much smoke in the air here in Los Angeles. I woke up with a dull headache, so you know, more troubles than Christ on the cross today. It is true. I mean, but we talked about it. You know, y'all, we are what six months into this pandemic lockdown adventure, and remembering, you may. Feel like you've got a great system for making your life work. And if you wake up and it's not a great day, it is okay to acknowledge that. Uh, this anniversary, 19 years after that, uh, is impactful for many people, whether you're New York specific or not. So give yourself the space to be like, yeah, it's not great today and do what you need to do to get through it. You know, you know you, we talked about it. You hold yourself to a really high standard of accomplishing so many things so quickly. And it's okay if one day that list gets a few things not checked off. Okay. I, that, well, it didn't get everything checked off today. And, um, but, you know, I mean, back to 9-11, I posted about it on Instagram, and I asked people to share where they were. And it was amazing to me because I forgot how traumatic it had been for my daughters, who were only 8 and 11. And so many of the people on my Instagram, because, you know, Instagram skews a little younger, they were very young when it happened. And I, one, of, one, th one that posted just stuck with me is that her, um, her alarm was a TV that came on every morning to yeah. wake her up for school. And she thought, why did they put this awful movie on for us to go to school? And she didn't know until she went to school what was going on. She thought that that was a movie. Yeah. So um, anyway, and just, you know, for me, I shared with you, my, my good friend Sharon Lane lived next door to me and she was a New York girl through and through. She had a place in Manhattan and we were in Sherman Oaks and she just called me hysterical and said, come over here now. And so we were there when that second plane hit and uh, watching it together. And it was just very surreal and i was working on dharma and greg at the time and i remember they closed the lot because we were a target at 20th century fox as was warner brothers and it was the first time that i'd ever gone to work and been searched my car everything we ended up shooting the show that week without an audience but it was just you know it's like it, it it does it does harbor up, and I'm sure for all of you listening and watching us, it, it you've got your own memories that are um, that are PTSD in a way. It, it brings back those things, and yeah, well, and you know, it's a, I was thinking a lot about you know the the Islamophobia that we saw uh, happen shortly after that. Um, 
and how you know when you get to all the way now to Trump and the Muslim ban and all of that, what what our our fear reactions do to our culture, you know, treating all of all of an entire you know group of people uh, for the terrible actions of a few, and looking at how we're still dealing with the legacy of of how we reacted in fear uh, at that time, and we're still seeing that and the impact beyond uh, the devastation itself. So. I guess, I guess if there's a positive that I, I witnessed today is, uh, in, in my memories is I remembered how uh, amazing the country came together. And it's like we all, uh, even though there was what you're talking about, there was a, is Islamophobia, but, but there was a lot of also um, warmness and, and love that you felt that people were reaching out to people. Um, and, um, it reminded me in watching today in the division that, that is so, uh, it just, just gets worse by the day. It feels like to me. So anyway, enough. I, 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 I don't want to bring down the room before we, um, we start the show, but that, that's where I think my, my mental, um, craze, yeah. my, my, my head was today. So if you uh, so if it's a difficult day for you for that or many other reasons, um, we hope we can provide you some entertainment and a little levity um, and some news. What we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. So if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube or on Periscope on Twitter, welcome. Share the broadcast with your friends. I saw we had somebody new. Kitty said, hi, my name is Kitty. I'm from Colorado. This is my first time here. Welcome, Kitty, and to all of our regulars as well. I used to have a friend named Kitty in high school and junior high and elementary school. Her real name was Katura. Bet you don't, I bet your real name's not Katura. I'll say. <laughs> Katura Clay. Uh, that, well, how exciting for you and her. She's dead now, but that's a whole different thing. Well, great, good. I, this tangent went fantastic. That was great. <laughs> so I had a friend. <laughs> I really it's my turn. I'll let you do yours. It's my turn. My week. I did a happy hour yesterday with the Jamie Harrison campaign. We talked about on Tuesday uh, that Jamie Harrison running in South Carolina is our first uh, Senate race. We are focusing on focusing on uh, for contributions and donations. But I wanted to tell you all, I spelled his name wrong in the link. So if you want to donate to Jamie, it's J-A-I-M-E. Um, and it was very interesting because it was a virtual happy hour for volunteers, and there were only 15 of us there. Um, and it was a great conversation. But I wanted to share that so that people realize in smaller campaigns at state level and local levels, your contribution can be so much more than you think it is. I thought I'd be there, you know, with a ton of people. Um, and there were several of us from out of state, not in South Carolina. So, y'all, if you find a candidate you like and you want to support, they can use um your time and your attention so i did that and it felt great i'm going to learn to phone bank next week with them and then be off and running and you're texting too right you're doing some kind of texting thing with like it uh-huh yeah um well i have to I, I did my taxes over the last two days and i have to tell you one of the no, one thing i noticed was jamie harrison was on my 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 donations along with beto o'rourke so i've always been uh supporting those uh, in in places that I feel like we need to support. Yes. I'm so glad you're doing that, Emerson. I think that's an inspiration for all of us. 
And you have exciting news to announce. I do. Uh, yes, I am uh, known as the shit stirrer. And uh, I am I, I'm so excited because I have not done a show show uh, in over a year now. The last time I did this show, it was just in the early stages. And I did it at a sold out house in the Oasis in, uh, that we talked about last week in San Francisco. And you saw it here in Los Angeles. I did, I think, a couple of nights here. But... I'm doing it online and Emerson Collins is going to be my special guest. I'm hoping he does a little comedy to set I'm not up. going to. Why do you keep saying that? You're just funny no matter what. You will be funny. But we're, we're I, he's going to he's going to be helping me and and hosting and doing some wonderful things. We have tickets that are you can come for no money. Uh, that's the way we do it. And, but if you can pay something, absolutely do. And they're already on sale and they're already selling. I'm just, thank you for all the ones who have bought already. We have a, a, some money in the bank. Thank got his you. Yes. So it's going to be on, what's the day? Well, October the 4th at five o'clock our time. So that's seven o'clock central and eight o'clock Eastern and some, sometime in mountain y'all figured out. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Y'all got to figure out, you got to do the math yourselves. Y'all do get your tickets. It's super fun. It's one of his most hilariously and social commentary shows. You get to hear the stories of his engagement with a bunch of our villains of our show and various things. So get your tickets. Uh, and if your money is tight, y'all show up and watch the show and share it. That's the whole point of not charging. We want as many people to have a great time with us as possible. That's right. Go on my Facebook and share, share, share. Um, and there's a little VIP Zoom party after, and those tickets are already over half sold. So grab yours. Woohoo! All right, well, on to our adventure in the LGBTQ uh, news. I'm sure many of you saw, but part of the importance of this election at every level um, and starting at the top, Trump put out, I don't know, it felt like a troll list of his potential Supreme Court nominees. I mean, really, it felt like a worst case scenario list and y'all Ruth Bader Ginsburg she is hanging on and doing the work she needs to do but every three months she's at the hospital you know with some new miracle cure so and it did answer it's just uh, sad but we gotta pray for her I don't pray but when we look at all the court cases we've talked about right that are working their way up to the Supreme Court health care for LGBTQ people shelters for people experiencing homelessness discrimination adoption agencies discriminating <coughs> people in the military living with HIV so many more, and he wants to put up Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton. Now, y'all don't even need the examples of them, but John Hawley, who said the Bostock decision recently, represents the end of the conservative legal movement. Lesser known names, just as bad, former U.S. Solicitor General Noel Francisco, who wrote the Trump briefs for the Supreme Court, including the one that argued for federal funds for discriminatory adoption agencies, employees being able to fire LGBTQ people, and for the anti-gay bakers. And then from the circuit court judges, Kyle Duncan and James, who both who ruled against trans equality, Ninth Circuit Court Judge Lawrence Van Dyke, who famously cried during his Senate confirmation when called out for his past opposition to LGBTQ rights, and Paul Clement, a former U.S. solicitor who once argued that the government's ban on marriage equality was necessary to protect children from the unknown consequences of a novel redefinition of marriage. Now, y'all, you can say all you want about how we need to make sure that Biden and Harris 
are as progressive as possible, and, and we do. And I want Medicare for all. I can't believe in a pandemic that's not that's not a centerpiece of the platform. But I don't care what else you think about them. Republicans pack the courts. Every administration, and this is why. No, I don't care why why you do it. You got to show up and pull that lever. That's right. Absolutely right. It's that's like a list of bigots, just a big old nasty. Yes, a parade of bullshit bigots. So, yes. Um, well, all right. In in other uh, bigotry, uh, in Ukraine, uh, Patriarch Filare, a high ranking bishop in the Eastern Orthodox Church of Ukraine, made headlines in March for calling COVID nineteen. God's punishment for the sins of men, the sinfulness of humanity. First of all, I mean, same-sex marriage. The comments prompted the World Health Organization to condemn Filaray's uh, words of misinformation, and Filaray refused to apologize, however, defending his words as consistent with Ukrainian laws. Well, now representatives for the 91-year-old bishop, 91, y'all, he's 91. He recently shared a Facebook post saying, we inform that during plan testing, his holiness patriarch Filaray of Kiev tested positive for COVID-19. Now his holiness bishop is undergoing treatment at a hospital. Filaray, who is 91, is said to be suffering, suffering from pneumonia as well. I don't feel bad. I was about to say, I don't have any feeling, just that sometimes karma works quick. If I knew it, I'd have a feeling or two, but uh, how can he be <laughs> I mean, it is, there is a lot of flourish opportunity. It's a, it's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Like, I always sort of feel that way about bigots in the church. Like the Catholic church, I'm like, y'all, what queen designed those costumes? When you've got a hold a little thing, you've got a big old hat and a cape. The concept of a stole. A stole is a useless decorative flourish. Was obviously invented by a homosexual. And that scepter with powder in it. What's that? Yeah. And swinging <laughs> incense. I mean, literally some queen back in the day when they were like, what should we do to church? I want it to smell nice. I'm thinking a little wrap. You can pull it towards the front. You can do it with a B from the front to the back. And a little wine midday. <laughs> I, any excuse for day drinking. <laughs> oh, How can you not say you're funny? You just riff and you're funny. I know, but again, that is so different from doing... Here's the thing. I'm hilarious. The minute you say you're a comic, you get a whole other kind of judgment. I'm witty. I prefer to think of myself in the Noel Coward, Oscar Wilde, like D-list version. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, all right, and rolling on through the news, you know, we we try not to talk about uh, him too much on the show, but a couple of things happened I think are important. Last Friday, in the typical Friday news dump, the Trump administration ordered government agencies to stop racial sensitivity training for federal workers. Russell Voigt, the director of the Office of Management and Budget, sent out a memo to agencies decrying the millions of taxpayer dollars costs and ordered administrators to identify any training on white privilege that suggests the U.S. is inherently racist or evil country or that any race or ethnicity is inherently racist or evil. Agencies should cancel any such contracts or divert federal money from these un-American propaganda training sessions claiming the courses teach that virtually all white people contribute to racism. 
How about pause right here and say, they do. We do. The entire point of the anti-racist discussion that we've been having intensely since May is that if we are not working to be actively anti-racist, if we are just sitting back and accepting the benefits of systems that prop up white privilege and white supremacy the way our nation was built, we are contributing. You don't have to feel like weird or guilty or bad about it to acknowledge that the system is set up to benefit us, whether our lives feel like they are easy or hard, it benefits us. Acknowledging that doesn't take away from your accomplishments. He said further, we cannot accept our employees receiving training that seeks to undercut our core values as Americans. Unless your core values are white supremacy and white privilege, there's no undercutting happening and drive division within our workforce. Trump blasted out in support over an article titled, Trump orders purge of critical race theory from federal agencies, tweeting, this is a sickness that cannot be allowed to continue. Please report any sightings so we can quickly extinguish. So support any sightings of people fighting white supremacy, discussing white privilege, talking about how we can be anti-racist in our country, and he wants to be sure he extinguishes that. It sounds absurd, but y'all, these conversations are hard, and we're still having them, and they are ongoing, and it is a thing we have to actively engage in both in our internal attitudes and in the systems and the businesses and the neighborhoods and the industries we work in. And, and as I told you, it just makes my brain bleed to think that someone like Richard Grinnell somehow will find a way to make this okay. Somehow he will say that this is right. You know, it's just, yeah. it is mind boggling. And somebody asked, weren't they just training white people though? No, these are critical race theory. These are, trainings on racial sensitivity, on the understanding racial bias and how implicit bias can impact so many things from how legislation's written to how policing is done, to how we engage with people in our offices and in our environments. Like that is what this is about. And it is something that we should all be able to support. It's not about some weird sense of internal white guilt. It is understanding how those things in our systems impact the way we engage with each other. I have to ask before I do this next story, do these sunflowers make me look like I've got like a sunflower hat on? It does, it looks like a crown, like you're ready for one to move them over a little bit. Or yes, we take questions sometimes uh, if we find them entertaining as we go along. Yes, uh, yeah, sure, absolutely ask us questions. Okay, I have to make a statement before I do this for next story. Please I do. I have finally agreed with Trump on something. Stay tuned. Okay, evangelicals who support Trump should care about this story. And oh, I love it so much. But they 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 won't. They're gonna they they'll dismiss it and act like it didn't happen. So Michael Cohen, y'all know his uh, disgraced lawyer who uh, is uh, on in house arrest right now. I, I I still don't know how you a book comes out and you're profiting when you're in on. Um, kind of in prison, but okay. So his new book is called Disloyal, a memoir. Of course, he tells many tales of Trump. One story he tells happening during the lead up to the election was then candidate Trump held a meeting at Trump Tower with evangelical leaders. I'm sure that that fucker uh, Falwell was there and uh, Franklin Graham, and they all were in that Paula, that Paula, they've all blocked me except Franklin Graham. They're all like praying on him and laying on hands um, on the president, physically touching him while he's 
they're playing a blessing that will serve as part of this religious belief. Oh, he's just going to be so godly now. Jesus is going to come into his heart. I feel it. After the group left, Cohen said that Trump asked, and here's where I agree. Can you believe that bullshit? <laughs> Can you believe people believe that bullshit? Okay, so this was before the 2000, uh, 2017 meeting where all the Republican politicians and televangelists laid hands on famously germaphobic presidents. So there's a lot of laying hands on. I know um, this is one of those stories where I don't know who to root for. Like, I, like I'm laughing at everybody involved in this situation. So evangelicals who have been willing to sacrifice everything they believe to like continue to say, God can use any broken vessel, no matter how broken. I'm like, this vessel isn't a thousand pieces on the floor. Stop trying to super glue him oh. back together. Yeah. So, I, but, but I enjoyed it. The hypocrisy, you know, when we, when that comes out, hold on. Somebody said something I enjoyed about your flower crown. Serena said, Carol Baskin. That's who you look like, Carol Baskin. And <laughs> Carol, I'd like to, I'm going to audition for her. There's a lot of movies. Maybe I could play her in one of those movies. A lot of her. I somehow don't think you're going to beat out Kate McKinnon for that part. What's that? I don't think you'll beat out Kate McKinnon in her doing other ones. You know, they always do lesser versions of those. Like there's a real good one. And then there's the lifetime version. You could be in the Nicolas Cage one. Okay. I'll be there. I'll, I'll do that. I, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, in the lighter news, um, if you want to have an even more obviously gay website, well, guess what? Now you can. Y'all, you know the websites end in .com, .org, .net, .us? Well, they have just introduced .gay websites. You can now pre-order a .gay domain. Ray King, the CEO of Top Level Design, said they've been working on this for a decade. He said, we believe that .gay is something special. Our mission is to provide a distinctive digital space devoted to connecting and celebrating LGBTQ Communities, the company is committing 20% of sales for the purchase of these .gay websites the first year to GLAAD and to Centerlink, the LGBTQ center organization. It will officially launch on September 16th and Grindr, George Takei, Billie Jean Keen have already registered theirs. Now I looked yesterday, they're a little more expensive to pre-order but are you going to go out and get delshores.gay? I mean, well, it just yeah, I'm going to buy it before I can get to it. I'm going to have to get to it. I, I think I may. I may. Don't y'all buy it. Now, don't y'all buy it unless you gift it to me. I was about to say, somebody could buy it and give it to you. you Here's the it. thing. I feel like emersoncollins.gay is just gilding the lily. <laughs> it could be. It's like, I mean, honey, we know. It's Wait. like, I, I, it was already clear. Well, you know, I've always felt like porn site should be .com. I've just always felt that way. You are right. I mean, it took them 10 years to get .gay. Lord knows how long .com would take That's for them to get .com. And then, you know, there's no question. You know, I don't know if you know this, but it took me forever to get .com. It was like some construction worker. on it. But I, I got, finally got it. I had to have .net forever. I'm so gay. Well, you know, if y'all want to get, proclaim it even louder and prouder, you can get yourself a dot gay. They are a little more expensive. I looked at mine yesterday while I was reading the story, just because I was curious and for what you said, so that I have it in someone. If I if I get cast in that big series on a seven year contract and someone wants you to are. see it, um, 
You're about to. You are. But it was a little pricey for my blood right now. I was like, I think it was like 49, but the normal ones are like 19. I think after the 16th, it'll be cheaper. Well, if tips go well today, y'all, we may be buying our dot gays. That's right. If you want to donate. $50 $50 for me to buy Emerson College. $49. If anyone donates. $49.98. What's that? $49.98 if you want $49.98. If it's specifically that amount, uh, I like the sound of Joshua's not good. Thank you, Art. I kind of like it too. And it can, it can, even if I, you, if, you know how they, I don't know how you do those things, but Matt, you you do Del Shores not gay, and then yeah, it goes. And then you redirect it to the other redirect. side. That's what it's exactly. called. Okay. Um, All right. Also, but but and I but I do love that they're doing it and that like uh, the funds from it are going to causes that are important. So if you want to get yourself an even gayer website, go. Um. All right. There's some new Oscar rules, and I'm very curious to. I I have not discussed these with Emerson, and I want to know what you think about them because I have thoughts, and uh, lots of people have thoughts. So the Academy Awards. I've been obsessed with the Academy Awards ever since I was a little bitty boy. Uh, they've introduced new eligibility requirements for Best Picture nominees to go in effect 2024. Uh, so it's a, it's a while away. Um, the picture must meet two of these four. Now, this is where it gets uh, interesting. It's, it, it only has to meet two of these four. Uh, a, the on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. So one leading actor from an unrepresented group or at least 30% of the cast uh, from at least two groups, which include women, uh, racial or ethnic LGBTQ people uh, and those with disabilities or if a main storyline is centered on one of those unrepresented groups. So that's A. That, so then uh, at least a B is creative leadership and project team, at least two people in creative leadership positions and department heads from an unrepresented group and uh, underrepresented group, sorry. And one that is non-white or at least six crew or team members or technical positions from an underrepresented group or at least 30% of the film's crew are composed of underrepresented groups. Then C, now remember you have to have two of, of these four. Industry access and opportunities, the film distribution or finance company, uh, financing company with paid apprenticeships or internships from underrepresented groups. Or if the film's production, distribution or financing company offers training or work opportunities for below the line, below the line means those people who are not in front of the cameras, skill development to underrepresented groups. Okay, and then standard D, the fourth one is audience development. A studio or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from underrepresented groups in their marketing, publicity, and or distribution team. Uh, conservatives pushed back and Kirstie Alley, crazy Kirstie, tweeted, this is a disgrace to artists everywhere. Can you imagine telling Picasso what he had to have in his fucking paintings? You people have lost your minds. Control artists, control individual thoughts. Oscar Orwell. Um, Okay, and, and please, y'all, do not go after Kirstie Alley. Do not say anything negative, or she will block you like she has blocked me on Twitter. So she got crap about it, and I didn't. I, this wasn't one of the things I said anything about to her. This she got crap about it. Then she deleted it and said, "I deleted my first tweet about the new rules for best movie Oscars because I feel it was a poor analogy and mes- misrepresented my viewpoint. I am a hundred percent behind diversity, inclusion, and tolerance." 
I'm opposed to mandating arbitrary percentages relating to hiring human beings in any business. So there you have it. So I'm interested. What are you what are you thinking about this? Well, one, I love that they're doing something. And two, I think they're really low bars to clear. You know, I was watching a lot of black people and people exactly. of color say, you know, those last two categories, right? If Netflix is distributing your show and they've got diverse executives and diverse publicists, it still doesn't matter what you did with your movie. So it could be slightly more challenging for indie filmmakers versus studio films. That said, I think it will be a good thing because indie films can push, we met all the standards, right? I think it can become a, a thing that people can use to talk about that our film does meet these standards as basic minimums. I like that they focused on department heads. They made sure that even in that, it can't just be white women. So the people of color are involved. So I think it's a great action to take place that, that says we care about this, but also like it's not hard to accomplish. So somebody looked at like the movies of the last like 10 or 15 years and it didn't, it, there were very few best pictures even nominees that seem like they would there would even be a question of would they have been in so i don't know that it changes results but i think it really states the industry wants to focus on this and i hope it drives uh filmmakers to really think about it as they're hiring across the board not just the story they're telling but who you're hiring in the departments people don't see because you have to build a generation of marginalized filmmakers up through departments to be leaders as well well, what I found interesting about it as well, if you don't do A or B, which is, uh, you know, while you're shooting the movie, after you shoot the movie, then suddenly you could go, oh, Lord, we need some interns. Let's go, you know, let's call, you know, whatever. And you could you could scramble to make the standard uh, C and standard D. I don't think it's perfect, but it's a it, it's such a great step. I really do believe it. And I thought, yeah, like you, Emerson, I thought, this is not so hard. Uh, when I first read it, I misunderstood and I thought, oh, uh, when the on-screen thing, I said that would like eliminate uh, the Robert Redford movie, say perhaps that was just him in that boat, you know, right. but, uh, but you know, that's not what it's, that's not what it's doing. You would have to have crew. You would have to. Well, and also I, there's a good thing of like, look, you can tell stories about white people. This is not a, like, you can't tell white people stories, but it's like, Hey, we've told a lot of white people stories. If you're telling a new, good, all white people story, then let's really think about the people you're using to tell that story. You know, there are so many ways to navigate through this and still tell the story you want to tell. And it's important. We have to work on it as an industry. And if you don't meet these standards, it means you don't think about at all the people that you use to tell stories. But the, the one thing that I thought could happen in a really kind of negative way is I feel like that that people that are, you know, cause it gets so political at the end, they could start going, wait, wait, this, uh, this certain movie didn't have this and this and this, there could be that kind of uh, thing. So well, it, this is also to make sure you thought about it up front. Cause by then it's too late. So, so. Just oh, all now. right. Well, we've reached the halfway point of our show, which means it's brief commercial time. Y'all we do this uh, to entertain you, to inform you things we think are important and silly, particularly specific to our community. If you enjoy it and you've contributed to every issue and candidate you can think of and still have a little money left over and want to toss a dollar, five, thirty, or thousands our way, you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. It's in the ticker below. And Emerson can buy his dot gay. And I wanted to do a little quick plug. Uh, our friend Stuart Bell, uh, 
helped uh, Michael Weems' company create Sorted Lives Mask. They're also cute bandanas, look at that. And uh, they Velcro, you can go to delshores.com and a percentage of every cell goes to the Del Shores Foundation. This is uh, Fuck Me Earl with Brother Boy and Dr. Eve, and we have one with Lavanda that says guilty. I think that's my favorite one. Yes. Eric asked a funny, he said, will gay.com become gay.com.gay? No, Eric, it would just be gay.gay. Oh, gay dot, yes, that's right. Because it replaces the gay dot oh, gay. Or, I once got in so much trouble in the Baylor University library. A security guard looked over my shoulder and I was chatting on gay.com. And she asked for my student ID number to report me saying, I, that's not something you should be looking at. And I just lied and gave her a random seven digit number and ran out of the library. What if you gave her, oh, that's like a movie, Emerson. What if you gave her like, you know, the head of the BSU, the Baylor Student Union or something. It just, your randomness just like indicted some poor kid that got oh. communicated from his church, didn't get to go to seminary. I like that you just made me into a horrible homosexual. <laughs> just a lot. I did not do that, but I did just make up a number and run. Um, all right, we told you the other day, in doing our little part in our little corner of the world, we're going to each episode focus on one of the Senate races that's really important for Democrats to maintain or to win, to win the Senate, to support the agenda we want to enact. Um, and so today's episode, we are going to focus on Georgia. Now, you probably remember John Ossoff from the special election uh, that happened uh, two years ago where he nearly won. It was one of the most expensive uh, campaign, special election campaigns that has ever happened. Well, he is running again, uh, this time to unseat Republican David Perdue. He's a Georgia native, a media executive, an investigative journalist, and small business owner. His policy overview says, I'm fighting for great health care for every American to defend Medicare and Social Security for his historic investment in clean energy and infrastructure to lower taxes for working families and small businesses, to defend Roe v. Wade and the privacy of women's health care, to enact major criminal justice reform, to get dark money out of politics and end Citizens United. Now he's averaging down about 4% in the polls right now. So head to electjohn.com uh, to give a little contribution to John Ossoff's campaign. Now the other campaign in Georgia is a lot more complicated. Kelly Loeffler, remember the one that we told you about who she bought a bunch of stock uh, in, uh, sold and bought a bunch of stock right as the pandemic started uh, because after a meeting that they had on the COVID-19. Well, now they're having an election to officially fill that seat, but it is what's called a blanket or jungle primary. And what that means is they run and if nobody gets 50% of the vote, then there is a runoff between the top two vote getters in January. The danger in this seat is that uh, two Republicans could be the highest vote getter. So what we need to do is avoid a runoff between two Republicans. The most likely candidate is Democrat Reverend Raphael Warnock. Remember, he's the one that the WNBA players wore their shirts uh, because Kelly Loeffler owns part of their team. His father was a vet, he's a small businessman, and he is a pastor who earned a PhD from Morehouse College. 
14 years ago, he was chosen as senior pastor of the pulpit where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was the pastor of. But he believes that our nation's commitment to equality is sacred and inviolable. That belief has led him to routinely advocate from the pulpit on behalf of the LGBTQ community. So both of these Democrats in Georgia, I checked, have said that they support the Equality Act. So if you want to port the Reverend Warnock, www.warnockforgeorgia.com. How was that? I'm trying to keep these concise for you all, but let you know why these people are important as we focus on these Senate races. So go support these two men. Yeah, and also, uh, if you have somebody that you support with passion and you want us to investigate and perhaps talk about them, let us know. Tell us in the chat room. Or, or yeah, you can me. send that to Del Shores. Del Shores at me.com or Emerson. Co no, I'm kidding. No, because I've got a list. I've, I, I have the show done. Um, so, um, okay. Well, this woman I have been blasting for years in my stand-up shows. We should, I thought she had gone away. I thought we were done with Michelle Bachman. Um, but she's back. And we've, we've been fortunate not to hear her name for a while, but this bigot just crawled out from her rock, uh, dragging her gay husband with her, and onto televangelist Kenneth Copeland's The Victory Channel last week to declare, and Antifa's goal is to elect Joe Biden and bring about the dissolution of the traditional family. She said, now this is a quote, if you go to Antifa's website, their materials, uh, they are directly traceable to the Communist Party because their goal is the overthrow of the United States government and to bring communism to America. Just like uh, the Black Lives Matter on their website, these are transgender Marcus, transgender Black Marcus who are seeking the overflow of the United States and the dissolution of the traditional family. You say, aren't you a little overheated, Michelle? Isn't this melodramatic? This is exactly what a communist revolution looks like. They think they're going to do it by electing Joe Biden. And then once Joe Biden is elected, what they're going to do is have the United States economy collapse move to a digital currency globally, and then we move into a global type government. I mean, it's bizarre, but that is their goal. For people who know their Bible, this is exactly what the prophets told us. So we stand on the word of God, the Bible. We say, Satan, flee. We're going to stand on the truth of God. And so... That's why now more than ever, what we need to do is pray to the almighty God and ask for his protection over America and to speak in this election. I'm so sorry I broke character and laughed in the middle of that. It is almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch. I swear to fucking God. Um, this is the same woman, by the way, who last year claimed that she had never. Okay, y'all just get ready to laugh. She had never seen a more godly or biblical president than trump bless her bigot it just just i know and like she doesn't matter she's not important but i included it because that transgender black marxist thing right it's like throwing as many fearful words as she can at bigoted white people we've talked about people using trans people to clobber democrat candidates to victimize them these marginalized people she's not the only one and like she's a 
a mess. But y'all, we can't let that shit slide. I wanted to put this up. Our good friend, director and writer, uh, brilliant friend, Chad Darnell said, I honestly think everyone needs to give up on my Georgia for anything important. Kemp stole his election. Our primary was a disaster. I know, but Chad, that's why we're talking about it. Because we want to support you guys. Because there is important things. And what's happening in Georgia, y'all have climbed in that mountain out of that deep red. Uh, and we want to be there for you guys. Purple there. And we, if we can get the voter suppression, uh, if we can address that, I think that George, we have a chance with Georgia. I really do. Uh, and like Arthur said, with two Senate seats in a close election, Georgia could decide who to... Control right. the election. Uh, we know yeah. you're y'all are tired over there, Chad. That's why we're sending our money and our time to support it. Chad, we love you, but don't don't give up. Don't give up on Georgia. We have not given up on Georgia. Oh, you know he won't. But I get it. It's exhausting. That's why we want to support other places. Um, and in fun other news, you know, talking about supporting uh, other other artists and queer people of color and queer black people. Um, I found a documentary that's a story I had never heard of. I want to show you this poster while I talk about it, because I was not familiar uh, with this man at all. There is a brand new documentary out, an award-winning, called Mr. Soul, and it tells the story of Ellis Hazlip, who was a gay, gay black host of the variety show Soul from 1968 to 1973. He was the first black producer at the primary PBS station in New York. The station's white director of cultural programming asked him to create an arts program for black audience. So he came up with this variety show format to celebrate the diversity of black culture and to challenge viewers by asking questions about those nuances at the height of the civil rights movement. The show had a majority black creative team from the camera editors, camera operators, to designers, to the producers. And he never shied away from talking about LGBTQ issues as an out gay man before Stonewall. And even when Islamic leader Louis Farrakhan appeared on his show, he asked him whether the Nation of Islam welcomed black gays and lesbians. So eventually under serious pressure to integrate the show for white audiences after executives decided anything celebrating black power was a threat, he was given the choice to integrate or have it canceled. So after five years, the last episode aired in 73. But it, I mean, y'all on the show appeared Sidney Poitier, Muhammad Ali, Cicely Tyson, James Baldwin, Toni Morrison, Patti LaBelle, and more. This documentary was produced by his niece, Melissa Hazlip, and it is now available to watch online for the regular price of a movie ticket. Uh, if you go to, I think I made a banner, uh, MrSoulMovie.com. A bunch of indie theaters are screening it online. Several, a bunch of theaters we did a very sort of wedding at have it available. You can pay like $12 and watch it through those theaters' websites. So I'm going to screen it. Check it out. This is just a really cool story. I'm going to do it well. I've never heard of. Right, same here. I never have heard of him. And I, I just feel like that there's a, a besides a docu, there's a movie there somewhere. That was found. Yeah. That to be so. Um, I mean, so, I'd like to know more. I just want to know more from your story. I just want to know more. Yep. So, all right. Has tickets and everything. So y'all check that out. Thank you, Emerson. Um, this is not a good story. Uh, G-City CrossFit, lo located in Gloucester City, New Jersey, is owned by a married couple, Janae Gonzalez and Anne Pananeo. A pride flag hangs outside the gym, which is known as a safe place for LGBTQ people in the region. Now, uh, 
Dwayne A. Vandergrift Jr., 35, faces both federal and state charges in connection with an explosion at the gym. He was charged with a malicious use of explosives, unlawful possession of two destructive devices, unlawful possession of a short barreled rifle. He was captured on surveillance video, placing an explosive device on G City CrossFit Gym's front door about 4 a.m. He ran away, the bomb soon went off, damaging the door, shattering its glass. It is reported that the bombing is being investigated as a hate crime. When authorities searched uh, Vandergriff's home, they found substantial quantities of bomb-making materials, numer numerous weapons, including an unregistered short-barreled rifle, several tactical vests outfitted with body armor, and a loaded 30-round ammunition magazines. And this is interesting, uh, a marijuana grow operation containing about 85 marijuana plants. Um, I guess he would just get stoned and make bombs. They also found on his computer that he had searched how to construct and utilize various explosive devices, including pipe and pressure cooker bombs. Whew. I mean, this is somebody who really wanted to do this. This was not a casual uh, hate crime. He did not think it through. He did not yeah. think it through. He did not look around for those surveillance cameras, which are. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, and terrifying, you know, just this community's gym center that's clearly welcoming to all kinds of people. And fortunately, nobody was injured. Um, and related, y'all, this next one is is really, really awful. Uh, we've talked a lot about Chechnya, uh, the documentary that was done, the Rainbow Railroad doing work to get LGBTQ people out of Chechnya. And this past week, the Daily Beast did a report um, that a big critic of Chechnya's leaders, a young man, 19-year-old Russian dissident named Salman Tepsperkayev, uh, was forced to film an apology video for his work as a social media moderator of a Telegram channel with posts calling out the brutal brutality and P Putin's complicity uh, in Chechnyans living abroad. He was detained by Chechen authorities, and in the video, he is naked, and after he apologizes, he, this spoiler, I mean, this is dark, he sodomizes himself by sitting on top of an empty bottle in the clip, and it was posted to social media and went viral in Russia. This is not uncommon, as terrible as this sounds. It is routine for Chechen authorities to intimidate and torture dissidents and force apologies to be publicly broadcast. This is in addition to the stories we heard about rounding up queer people, putting them into camps, inflicting electrocutions and beatings and forcing their, uh, them to tell their families. Uh, the Chechen leader, Katarov, is an ally of Putin and has denied these horrific acts. Now, a spokesperson for a media watchdog company said that Chechen people are furious at this video. Women and men feel sick and shocked and humiliated. They said the Kremlin officials should realize how much Chechen people respect traditions, and many take this public rape allegedly forced by authorities personally. Uh, there's no record of a response from either Chechen or Russian leaders. But y'all, when we talk about what our community, uh, what people that are fighting authoritarian and totalitarian regimes around the world face, I mean, this is one of the most ex extreme things I personally can remember ever hearing of for a 19-year-old who's calling out the leaders of his country for their totalitarian actions. Uh, so everything we can do to bring attention to, to continue hold it up. It took so long to even get our State Department uh, to ban their leaders and call out their leaders on these issues. There's so little we can do, it can feel frustrating, but talking about it and calling it out and paying attention to it 
so they aren't alone in the international scene uh, as they fight is important. It was just so nauseating that story to me and so sad. It was just, I feel, I feel for him. I just wish that someone could go and rescue him. It's, it's just, it is, a, you, you said it, it's horrific. Um, so, all right, Joshua and Leighton Payne Elliott are husbands uh, who were both employed at Catholic schools under the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, uh, Pence's uh, home state. The Archdiocese threatened to revoke both schools' Catholic status if the men weren't fired. Uh, Leighton School, uh, Brebeuf, uh, Jesuit Preparatory School, uh, refused to do so and had its Catholic school uh, status taken away. And then Cathedral High School, where Joshua taught for 13 years, chose to fire him. Payne and Elliot is Payne Elliot is pursuing a discrimination contractual interference claim against the archdiocese. The archdiocese argues it has a constitutional right to discriminate against gay people under the First Amendment. And the Trump administration Department of Justice filed a brief before the Indiana Supreme Court agreeing with the church. The brief argues that the decision to force out Payne Elliott is protected by the Constitution because the Archdiocese requested Payne Elliott's dismissal expressly on religious grounds. Uh, the Trump administration brief says part of Payne Elliott's roles was to in inculate the faith among his students, uh, including on the specific issue of the church teaching of marriage. Uh, teachers like Payne Elliott are uniquely positioned to influence students and they can use that influence to help the students grow in faith or they can contradict the church teachings to turn students away from the faith. That was their position. At a press conference last year, Archbishop of Indianapolis, Charles Thompson was asked whether he would also for schools to fire teachers who use birth control or lived with a partner before marriage. And of course he probably had no answer for that. Right. Well, and this goes back to right what we talked at the beginning, the Supreme Court judges will matter. This is the Trump administration supporting their right to be bigots. Uh, and that will end up before our judges, no doubt. What I loved in this story is that other school that said, fine, we won't be Catholic anymore because we are not firing the teacher. It's so interesting that the two husbands, their schools, one did and one didn't. Yeah. Uh, John, because John said, I'm Franciscan Catholic and all our fathers that are gay are out mostly and loved here. Yeah, see, it's like, it's interesting seeing the churches divide and how their communities think about your girls growing up. You know, I was thinking about them because at Notre Dame High School here in, in the Valley in Los Angeles, where they went to school, there was a gay couple that teach, taught there. And it was very, they, actually had to pretend they were not married so yeah think about these men like 13 years at a school and they're like sorry and this indiana archdiocese we keep hearing about they are really trying to be the best bigots in the bigot competition um in other news the gathering which i love the name so much is a miami beach hotel that caters to gay men with a bar a clothing optional sauna that's that they issue day passes for. Wink, I've wink. heard of those. I've heard of them. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a little. I'm vaguely familiar with Are the. You concept. Aware? Are you aware of those day passes? Of this kind of, of this kind of establishment, I appreciate it. I frequent a day pass on occasion. Palm Springs has the day passes. A few of them. Those uh huh. Well, they put up this banner. Uh, 
supporting racial justice. Owner Alexander Guerra said, the banner is a silent protest in solidarity with the black community, Black Lives Matter and our neighborhood. The banner was commissioned by Guerra from a local artist, DePaul Vera. And it includes a portrait of George Floyd and reads, I can't breathe, rest in power, George Floyd, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, they were forced to take it down after someone, a racist, obviously, a white bigot, complained to the city about it. Somebody went to the trouble to call the city and say, I don't like that banner and they're not supposed to have it up because authorities said the hotel did not have the proper permit to hang the banner. Guerra said, I don't understand why a banner of this caliber is hurtful to people in such a way. This man's life was taken. We didn't know we needed a permit to hang a banner on our property, particularly with a free speech banner. They're complaining about us today. They'll complain about someone else tomorrow. It's our duty to continue to spread our message. After being contacted by local news, the city manager gave the hotel permission to rehang the banner on the condition that they apply for a permit. But I just thought, I mean, somebody really went to the trouble in the middle of their day, so bothered by that banner to call and say they don't have a permit. So if I'm in Miami Beach, I tell you what, I'm going to visit thegaythering.com on a day pass or an all-night stay. But wouldn't that website be better if it were thegaythering.gay? I know. I hope they. I hope all these gay resorts run out and get their .gay websites uh, for all of us to be able to find and support them. All right. I love this story. Thank you for giving it to me. Uh, and you, I love, obviously you say that I don't have to read the titles that you give, but I love this title. It's called Sit on My Face Fundraiser. Uh, the Lone Star Saloon, I've been there in San Francisco, is one of the most famous gay beer bars in the world, opened in 1989. Of course, like so many other LGBTQ venues, the pandemic has had a huge impact and they came up with a unique fundraiser to raise money. It's called the Sit On My Face Fundraiser, offered people the chance to have their name and their face laser etched on the legs of the bar stool. Despite the 250 per leg cost, that's per leg, y'all, that, so that's four, that's $1,000 if my math is correct, per stool. Very quickly, all available bar stools were taken. Most people used the image of their face, while some used images of pets or logos. Uh, Lone Star um, co-star, uh, co-owner, <laughs> Lone Star co-star, uh, Charlie Evans told Gay Cities, it went really well. We have 12 stools with four legs, 48 total, and we did all of them. I was surprised and humbled by the response. The stool jokes wrote themselves, and we never failed to make me laugh. So, of course, that's only 12 grand, and they've been closed for six months. So they now they've introduced the Lone Star Saloon 500 Club. Customers purchase a handmade key strap, Emerson, key strap. One of only 500, and with the when the bar reopens, members will receive free entry to one of their uh, event nights for a year. So two uh, free and two free annual beer bust, and as he puts it, a bunch of stuff we haven't even thought of yet. So there you I go. I love that. So I love one. That's just hysterical. I'm sure people bought the first day. If that was my regular bar, I'd absolutely pay $250 oh, for the set on my face fundraiser to have my face etched on a bar stool. Absolutely. Like they only had 12 stools. I was like, it sounds like you just need to buy some more stools. I would have, I'd have gone down and said, Oh, Oh, we miscounted. Oh, we found 10 more. <laughs> Be like, we're just a stool bar now. I'll be y'all check them out. Lone Star Saloon SF. 
Com. It did. It made me laugh. And that's so smart too. sort of selling like memberships. That's basically like advanced sales yeah. for like next year's events saying, y'all, can you pay for some stuff now so we can get through this and we'll welcome you all in and some shit we haven't even thought of yet. You'll get that too. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. And then one final silly thing. Uh, Y'all, I loved this. This made me laugh as well. You know, I know capitalism's killing everything. It's just the worst thing in the world, corporate pride and whatnot. But y'all take a look at this photo. Burger King is running an ad in Finland to mark Pride Week in Helsinki that is this week. Now it's all virtual events, no, nothing in public, but the ads are still happening. That shows the Burger King mascot making out with Ronald McDonald. <laughs> These posters <laughs> and print ads of the pair say, love conquers all. I feel like the sense of humor in San Scandinavia, we should go there. I, I love that. And I think that McDonald's would have to give permission as well, right? Maybe with satire. I don't know. The Finland brand manager said Burger King has always stood for equality, love, and everyone's right to just be the way they are. The only instance where it might not seem so is when we're bantering with our competitor. But we want to be clear. It all stems from the respect we have for them. And we know McDonald's stands for the values we stand for, too. Equality and heart disease. The idea behind the paintings comes from our desire to celebrate love in all forms. We thought, what a better way to convey our values than by portraying an all-encompassing kiss between the Burger King and McDonald's. We wanted to show that in the end, love always wins. Yes. I just found it delightful and hilarious. You can, like, y'all, we are, for all the kinds of love, a little bit of heart disease and some cholesterol. Oh, that's a good story. Do, do we have time for this last one? Um, no, let's chat with our people. Oh, yeah, do that real fast. Yeah. Okay, I, I would like to. Just to say the time. Just the, just a million million times. So the Chicago uh, Windy Times is going to cease publication. I'll, I'll abbreviate it, but they are going to continue online. I've loved them for years. They've done so many articles uh, in support of our work. And so we wish them well. And y'all, let's support them online because it's happening to so many uh, so many, so many, and uh, Tracy Baum, who uh, was the, uh, I believe the uh, the co-founder, said our staff, freelancers, and drivers have given so much to the Windy Times over the years. But we are not closing. We are not losing the print. We losing the print is painful, but we are going to continue. And so we wish them uh, lots of lots of success as a digital. Absolutely. Um, Patrick said there needs to be a dot by ending, which would make sense as well, except it belongs to Burundi. It's like they're national, you know, because other countries like dot com is just ours and everywhere else. Uh, there's a country code ending. So uh, bisexual people can't get a dot by unless they're going to be part of Burundi's uh, Internet system. We dot trans. We could have a dot trans. We could have huh? like, you know, uh huh. All the options. Dot less. That's a little long, but you know. You could do dot less. Dot le dot less. Yeah. Dot dot less. I mean, they are dot gay, of course, as well. Uh, but y'all, as we are coming to the end of our show, uh, thank you. A huge shout out to Jonathan Pinkerton, Xanadont, Leanne Noble uh, for your contributions and tips today. Yeah, we really appreciate it. That is very validating for the effort we put into trying to entertain and inform you uh, with LGBTQ issues. If you want to send your tip now that we're wrapping up, on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. Oh, and, you have fun with plans? 
And I, I'm, I'm actually having dinner tonight. I've, I've been doing these social distance dinners and with our good friend, uh, Matthew Scott Montgomery to catch up with him who played um, uh, Kindle in my play Yellow and of course co-starred with you in Southern Baptist Sissies as Andrew. He's brilliant and uh, I, uh, I, I, it'll be good to end this day. But y'all, I just wanna say really quickly, you know, yes, thank you for the tips. We, th those are validating and we love that. But thank you so much for joining us. And this was a difficult day for me and for so many other people. And I feel better right now. So I wanna thank you for that. And thank you, Emerson, Absolutely. That's why we do it. And y'all, don't forget, go vote, go contribute today to Warnock and Ossoff in Georgia. It's our focus for today. Every little donation uh, counts. So have a great weekend.